Okay, last week then we were in, Gen we were in Genesis 17, and we've we've started to study circumcision. And we mentioned that it's been 13 years since that he had since he had a, a revel last time he had a revelation of God. Now, the circumcision. Well, before we get to circumcision, go to verse 7. Well, let's read it. Why don't you read it so we can remember where we are? Can we read it, Pete? 17, 1 to 14. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham, Abram, and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between thee and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram, Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between thee and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, <coughs> thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you every man-child in your generations. He that is born in the house, or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with thy money, must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. In verse 8, it talks about the land of Canaan. And the word Canaan is the Hebrew word Kenan, which simply means merchants or, or trading. Now, the question is where is the land of Canaan? If evangelical Christianity takes this Bible literally, then in order for them to have any part of God's stuff, they've got to move to Israel. You know, and I, I, it's an interesting concept when you, when you really study what they say they believe, because it's God can only be God to them in, in the land of Canaan. So the question is, what is Canaan? Canaan is, it, it mean, it's, it's in, in its normal translation as a word, it's used in two different ways. One, it's called being a merchant or, you know, where you trade things. And in another case, it's, it's used, it's translated meaning humiliated. And the, the thing that each of you have to get certain in your mind is that you've been a trader all your life. Trader simply means one who operates by cause and effect. Then you've gotten humiliated in that process. And now God is promising that the land 
of Canaan will be transformed into the land of Israel. And, and that kicker has to be understood. Otherwise, this stuff is just history. But until you know that that's the process, this is an allegory for what's going on within you, then all of this will just be boring history stuff. And you can't circumvent the humiliation. No. Because if you, if you try to circumvent the humiliation, and all you'll do is, is ascribe the, God's name to your own idolatry while, it's, while you're still being in Canaan or a traitor. And you'll say, well, you know, all of the, all of the stuff that you know you'd say. So this is kind of basic to, to, to the doctrine that we've been delivered into, is, is that our bodies are Canaan, the human race, and it's being transformed into Israel. Now, it says that it's an everlasting covenant. Now, the word everlasting, for those of you who have been here a while know, the word everlasting is the Hebrew word olam. Now, olam is translated elsewhere in the scripture forever or the hereafter or, uh, you know, in in, in and slang, it's, it's a sweet by and by, and the other side of the Jordan, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's it's this idea that you have, and the human race has that that forever. It's also been it's also translated forever. That forever is sometime in the future. And this is the most difficult concept that that you will ever deal with. That forever is not sometime in the future. That the word olam, which is the root word for that, doesn't mean sometime in the future. It means no time whatsoever. It, it literally means the vanishing point. And until that concept, until the concept of forever is settled in you, that the forever, that eternal life, that all those things are now, you will never see because you will always put it off until something else takes place and your mind will do it automatically because your mind has been blinded and the way in which the blinding is the blindedness is is resolved or taken care of is that your flesh is ripped just like the veil was torn at, when Christ was crucified and as that veil of flesh is torn then you begin to see that forever is now and that the only time you live is now and the only place you are is here and you stop the stupidity of living vis-a-vis -vis what's going to happen someday unfortunately every one of you are still in that position you think that conditions are going to change so that someday something desirable to your nature will take place. That's not going to happen. It's either now or it never will be. And that's all of that philosophic, philosophical framework is tied up in the word Olaf or forever. Now, when we study the tabernacle this weekend, we'll see it even more clearly. Because as we study that tabernacle, we'll see that several people in the scriptures, Moses, John, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, saw the heavenly. They saw that tabernacle. But they didn't see it sometime in the future. They saw it now. So they saw that tabernacle is their only abode, their only place of residence. And no matter what external condition they were in, they saw the tabernacle. And that's the challenge that's set before you, to see the tabernacle. Now, how do you do that? do it by turning himself and that's all okay now I have a question okay. uh, in 
in 9, God says, Thou shalt keep my covenant. And then in 10, he says, This is my covenant, which you shall keep. Is the sense there, is the sense of thou shalt keep, is that, is he saying, is he making a statement of fact that you will keep it? That the seed will keep the covenant? Yeah. As opposed to a command that may or may not be obeyed. Yeah, again, that's a great example. The natural man reads this and it says, you shall do this. And they see it as a command. The spiritual man reads, you shall do this, and he sees it as joy because it's something that's impossible not to, not to happen. And it says, you shall not, and say, okay, I can't do that. Well, that's something I'm not supposed to do, and it's a should or a not to. The spiritual man sees, okay, that's what I'm not going to do. And that's true for every, you know, every place in the scripture. Now, circumcise. The word circumcise is a word that means, it's the Hebrew word mule, which means to cut short, to curtail, to blunt, to stop doing something. But Abraham, well, let's go to Romans 9. No, excuse me, Romans 4 now. Romans 4, verse 9. Um, there I'll read 9 through Romans 4, verse 9. Uh, for a while. <coughs> well, saying, no, start in verse uh, 7, I'm sorry. Saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Okay, stop there a minute. Last night we talked and talked about all these sacrifices and the goats and the bulls and the and it says that it said that all those things could not make the offer perfect with regard to consciousness or as pertaining to conscience. And then, and then later on it says because that blood had no power or no ability or no efficacy to cleanse the conscience from dead works. Now, the same is true with the blood of Christ. And this is another view of that. The only reason, all, all, that, the, all that those sacrifices did is to permit Israel to exist as a group of people, and in reality, to permit the world to continue to exist. Okay, all of the blood of Christ, all it has done for the world is it's permitted the world to exist to continue, but it has permitted a, a people to gather together, just as it permitted the, the blood of the bulls and the goats permitted Israel to gather together. But for most, for them and for you, the blood of Christ has done you no good unless it has washed or emptied your conscience from the dead works. I mean, it's just a, it's just a concept that, that it, it doesn't mean anything. It, it's not internalized. I mean, you're still just as guilty as you ever were. You still think of, you know, you still think in terms of all of the, well, I should have done this and I should do that and I shouldn't do this. And all of those are the dead works. Well, how is the blood 
made real, i.e., how has it become manifest so that it has cleansed your conscience from dead works in order that you might serve the living God? Comes only one way. Everything that we talk about, everything that we are involved with, it comes at a different level or a different point of turning from self. I mean, so now you, you've, you've done all this stuff for a long time and, and you're still just as screwed up as you ever were. You're still, you're still just as guilty as you ever were. So, so you think something must be wrong. Well, nothing's wrong. It's just a deeper level of you turning from self. So again, it becomes, there's only thing that God requires is repentance, turning from self. Capiche? Until you're finally at the point where the idea of self never enters your mind. Okay, and that's what he's saying. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now let's go to Romans 14 real quick and see the, 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 the fuller revelation of that concept. Verse 22. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. Another translation is, as happy is he who, who doesn't condemn himself in that thing which in the thing which he approves or the thing which he does. I, I know every one of you, every one of you, you live in a constant state of condemnation. Isn't it kind of stupid? Well, it's really stupid from the spiritual standpoint because you've made the blood of Christ of none effect. I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice once and for all to stop condemning yourself in a thing that you approve? Well, how do you get there from here? Well, maybe Abraham will show us how. Okay, back to Genesis. No, 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 no. We haven't finished where I want to go. Continue. In Romans 4. Romans 4. Cometh this blessedness then upon circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had not yet, which he had yet, being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had, being yet uncircumcised, for the promise that he should Excuse me, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith heirs, is made heirs, void. Heirs, heirs, heirs. What did I say? He said heirs. Heirs. Faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, and to that also which is in the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. More? Yeah. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Okay. And being, oh, well, go ahead, one more. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. 
and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. The idea of all that is simple. That the promise of God and the promise that is to you is given before any law, before any circumcision, before anything. So it's not conditional on those things. You know, again, when God gave the promise to Abraham, it was about condition. When God, when you begin to understand and you understand the promise of God, it's given to you without condition. But your mind makes you believe it's conditional. Your surroundings make you believe it's conditional. Your parents, your friends, your everybody makes you believe it's conditional. And that's the role of the Antichrist. It's the role of the, the prince of the power of this to, to believe, make you believe that something of God is conditional. Do you understand that? You, can you understand that there is nothing that God has for you which is that you own all things, which, you know, on and on, all the things we've talked about. There's nothing involved in that that's conditional. I mean, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to stop doing anything. You don't have to be any place. You don't have to come here. You don't have to listen to the Bible. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to do anything. Well, why don't you act like you believe it? You don't have to listen to me. You don't have to listen to me scream and yell at you. You don't have to be a nice person. You don't have to stop doing anything. Except math. But you, you don't have to do anything. It's unconditional. Then why are you in so much, why are you always getting so much shit? The one reason is, is that you believe that you have failed to do something. It's all over like Larry and Pam and everybody and Kristen thinks that God's out to get them. Yeah, how many of you believe God's out to get you? I'm sorry, it's true. I know. <laughs> she believes God's gonna screw her. Screw her around. Gonna get her. So does Larry, so does Pam, so does Harry. I keep thinking that when I'm, if I turn my head, you're going to whisper and accept. There's nothing you have to do, except, and I'm going to miss it. <clears throat> but most, but you, but you know, what, what the reality of that statement says, okay, well, what does that mean to me? None of this stuff. You know, in one in one hand, it doesn't mean anything to you because because you're still playing the game of self divinity. I mean, that's they're still playing the game of control. Control, self-defense. This just can't be done. But it's like. a little kid, I'd have given anything to know 
why I was here. What in the world was, what, why was I here? Why was I on the earth? Why was I born? And then, then what happens is sometime, somehow that loses its power. And we forget about that. And that's all God wants us to do, is to find out why we're here. But most of the time we're... we're you know, that question never enters our being. We, we, you know, we, we, we want to know, uh, why did that guy pull out in front of me? Or why did that bird shit in the car after I just got it washed? Or, Why isn't my boss nice to me? Or why do I have to drive in all this terrible traffic? Or but if we could return to that simplicity, it simply says, why am I here? And then find the answer. It seems to me that's worth everything in the universe. Something else is going on here tonight. What is it? <laughs> Everybody looks around the room. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> All these reading minds again. Pete? You okay? like it's all in a haze and yet you, you're hollering at us about this all the stuff that doesn't really mean a hell of things different like, like what <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just glad to be here. I can't wait to smell off my face.
you know, I, 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 I think something is going on too. I don't know what it is. But you know, maybe maybe it's uh, maybe it's in the very dichotomy or the very problem of And this has always been a problem for me. That that in the that in the teaching about this stuff, it hasn't. It, I mean, when, when we learn about stuff, then unless it's unless there's an outpouring, then staleness. Boredom, whatever else you want to call it, happens. My my tendency is is always been ever since we've been a group is is never to teach or preach about doing. What what is it's always to preach, you know, the cross. You know, when I went to all of the evangelical churches before I we started as a body, you know, every time I'd go and they teach you how to witness and how to say the right words and how to say the right little things. There's a part of me that longs to do that because if you just come here two or three times a week or two or three times a year, however many or six times a week, and don't have any outlet for that, then we are as the Dead Sea because Just, it's, it's like it's stagnant water. And, and that really bothers me because I can sense it. Maybe that's what I'm sensing is that there's no... In, in my, like, like with, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual, but it just happens. In, in, in whether it's in all of these peripheral people or the people here, it seems like I'm always pouring out. I mean, I, I never have time to think about myself. I never have time to be concerned with whether or not I'm picking up the cross or whether or not I'm uh, holding my lips correctly. Or, because it's always, there's always the continual pressure to meet someone else's need. Whether, even when I'm studying, we, I mean, that in itself has become simply an, a, a way in which outpouring is made easier. And I'm having a real problem studying for this weekend for the same reason. It's, it's, it's like, okay, there, when we, the tabernacle and the study of the tabernacle, as we talked about, is, is literally, when you study the Ark of the Covenant, what you do in the study is you open the lid. Or when we study the tabernacle, we, we view a picture of our real home. And, and there's incredible mysteries involved in the candlesticks and the construction of the altar and the construction of the boards of the tabernacle and the veil and all of the things. But part of me is crying out and saying to you, so what? This is just going to be some more stuff you're going to put in the Dead Sea. Because there's no, there's no opportunity for expression. There's no vehicle for pouring it out. And in fact, it's, it's really ticking me off as the more I study the tabernacle and see all these grandiose mysteries unveiled, the more I am upset at us as a body of people because for the most part there is no pouring out. There is no offering. There is no making yourself broken. There is no broken bread and poured out wine for your world. There's no I mean, you just, you do your own thing and you come back here and then you go and do your own thing some more and, and, you, and you wonder why, you know, like Rhonda said, five minutes after she leaves here, she forgets it. Well, why? 
Well, you know, I, my temptation is to tell you, okay, you go and, and find need to meet. You go and, 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 and God has established your habitation, your world, the, the bounds of your habitation, whether it's where you live or where you work or your circle of acquaintances, and you're only there for one reason, and that's to be poured out to meet need. But again, I'm, I'm constrained because I feel that if I start doing it, teaching in that arena, then all that's going to happen is we're going to find out a bunch of, we'll be taken as just a bunch of how-tos. But all I know is, is that when you are concerned with someone else, being concerned with yourself is impossible. When you're concerned with someone else, being bored is impossible. And uh, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go for. I don't. We we don't have any role model for this. You know, maybe maybe I should give it instead of the seminar and the on the tabernacle. We should teach the seminar and 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 how to die. <laughs> how to become poured out bread and wine and broken bread for your world. I just see you coming out some kind of video. How to die video. Yeah, I do feel kind of lukewarm in that area. Not that I know of anything to do with that. It seems really unnatural to go to a bowling alley and witness, doesn't it? Well, I was thinking about work. I go to work and... Uh, for a while, there have been people off and on that have been interested in, in talking about what we talk about here, because I've shared what, you know, that I go to Bible study every night. Sometimes that's at a peak, and sometimes it's not, and right now it's not. So. so uh, but I, that's, uh, the girl I'm dating right now really wants to come, but I, <laughs> I kind of feel like I talk with those who are interested in, like, I've been turned off by some people. <coughs> You've been turned off by them? Well, what I'm, what I'm oh, feeling right now is, afraid that, stick around. <laughs> is that I hear words like what you just said in my mind immediately separates causes a distinction between well when I hear broken bread and poured out wine I hear something my mind hears something religious go witness to somebody or go speak words of life to somebody that's what my mind says and it separates it from things like um, the kinds of things that I see you doing, like helping somebody get a job, or helping somebody have a roof over their head, or food in their stomach, or, I mean, it's just, I just caught my mind taking what you said and turning it into religious horseshit. And that, that's just religious horseshit. I mean, there are only, a, right now, there are only a couple of people within my habitation during the day. And I, and, I, and I go, well, gee, I can't do anything religious for Paula. I can't do anything religious for Bloom. Well, that, you know, that's the lie. And then I, and I hear Pete immediately think, well, gee, I'm not witnessing to anybody at work. But I think that's a lie. It's, it's, why do you think it's so unnatural? It's like, and I hate that word, witnessing. <laughs> I hate the word witnessing, you know, most, it, to me, it, it's, it's funny because most of the people would just think I'm crazy, okay, but it's like I'm the first one they call when they get in trouble. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, see, what my brain did with the apparent requirement to go be spiritual suddenly was, well, it must mean I've got to go give all my money away. I do that, then I'd be spiritual. <laughs> Whereas, like Jan, 
I mean, the people that I live around, some of them come over and talk all the time about things, and others think I'm just loony, loony tunes. <coughs> so I don't <coughs> But I keep forgetting, and I've said this to you before, I, I forget that, that if somebody has need of this world's goods, I mean, that's what you did first. Somebody's hungry, you get the food. And that's where I see. Uh, first of all, I catch the lie, and second of all, that's where I see I'm not, I'm not giving. Okay, whether you guys like it or not, I just made a decision. And it's just, it's like a, a load went off my head. I'm not going to teach in the tabernacle this week. <laughs> Good for you. We're going to do something else. Are you, I've been meaning to ask you, are you okay? Daryl? Daryl? Yeah. No, Daryl's not okay. Well, I went, I mean, okay, that's kind of innocuous. I mean, it doesn't mean I thought I was okay. I don't know, I just. all right. I haven't been here, so I didn't know if you've been here or if you've been no, out. No, no, no. He's in the he's in he's in the Air Force. Well, I come here when I can. This is one of my times that I can. No, well, that's that's cool. No, I just wondered if you were all right. If you were doing okay. Yeah. You know, if if you were had a big need or something hanging over you. Or... Because I don't know you very well. You know? Not that I know everybody else here very well, but I I think I'm better at. I used to say this uh, when we were on the when I had the radio program. Uh, you know, we'd talk about it. if there was a, a man, if you were living in Arlington and a man in Dallas, there was a meeting going on, and he was telling you how to really the real revelation of God and how to get a double mantle of the Lord's blessing and how to really get blessed by God. And then there was another meeting in Fort Worth about somebody telling you how to die to your evil heart. Which meeting would you go to? And I, I feel like um, we have been given so much. In terms of revelation, in terms of rain, in terms of understanding and purpose. But we have but the scriptures say he he that has been given much, much to much shall be required. And there hasn't been any requirement except to come to Bible study. Go to Matthew 25. Can I read it here? I gotta say something first. That when I cannot tell you how important, forget God for a minute, I can't tell you how important it is to me that you state your feelings honestly, i.e., if you, you know, I can't, when, when you said this first time I've been looking forward to coming for the weekend, my heart jumped for joy. I mean, or no, if you have a, a doubt or, or a question or whatever, I mean, I've said it so many times, but it's more important now than ever that this isn't a position in which I am teacher and you are students. This is a living organism that your input, and there's no one input more important than the other. I mean, it's my, it was just my idea to go and study the tabernacle, which, and that doesn't mean diddly shit. 
I mean, if, if we, I'm sure we'll study the tabernacle in great detail at point in time, but something else is going on right now. And, and um, I need your input. I need, I can't live without it. What? I'm sorry, but I just had the strangest I have the strangest feeling that what this body needs is an animal. And that's what it's going to get. With cold water as opposed to warm. <laughs> With ice water. No, 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 we can't do that. Harry would enjoy it too much. <laughs> I, think oh, <laughs> I think this was necessary. Okay, Matthew 25, where are you there? 14. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckon, reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou, wert, that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. That could be easily transferred. I knew thou art a hard man, because I felt you were out to get me. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou, thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of That's Man... Enough. You can understand. All of you understand the parable. There's only one thing that God requires. This isn't a justification to... to this, isn't, this has nothing to do with money. It's using talent, the talent, and it has nothing to do with your natural given talents. It's a parable that uses the things of this world to reveal the spiritual truth. What, what's the common denominator of one with the five talents and one with the two? They risked everything. And everything was outflowing. The one with the one, all he did was hide it in the earth near the earth but it's, it's in, 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 and the interesting thing is in the spirit you have to literally dig to hide it I mean it takes an effort to hide it well there's all kinds of those kinds of parables that we will study because all of them have to do with almost all of the parables of Christ have to do with uh, re reproduction 
Now, the companion parable to this is the next one. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall a righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungry, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of these, one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. And then shall he also say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It says, uh, the poor you'll have with you always, so there's something else going on besides going out and trying. What co what's going on? You're not supposed to get rid of them. You're supposed to. No, listen, listen to it. Judas, when the money, when, when that expensive perfume was taken by Martha and poured, or by Mary, and poured over his, and Judas said, Lord, we could have sold that and fed the poor. And Jesus said, the poor you'll have with me always. Hear this. The, 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 the requirement of this parable is individual activity. In other words, you can't, there's no such thing as charity vis-a-vis -vis having dollars go out and do your stuff. Or group giving. Or group giving. Or, or, or um, you know, especially, it's especially true now with regard to the television. Now, you guys can't go to Africa, but we can. Now, you send us your money and you'll be our partner. That's impossible in the spirit. This requires your personal involvement. There's no such thing as, as giving by organization. I want to read, uh, besides, besides that kind of stuff about the risk of external, there's two other things that we're going to do this weekend. Should I mention this to John tonight, or should I just not mention it? I don't care. <laughs> well, I didn't want him to like, hit me or something. I don't know. You have, been, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother, and here it says angry with his brother without a cause, but in the Greek it says, who is angry with his brother. In other words, any angry, any anger with your brother is without cause. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which means, um, it's, a, it's a condemnation thing, which means, it means like, it's worse, it's just the worst thing you can say to him. Like, like you're, you're not worthy, you're a stupid idiot, you're, you're Norwegian. <laughs> but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. 
Therefore, if thou bring if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So there's there's a lot of that going on in the body where people are angry. And also in chapter 18, Matthew 18, verse 15, which all of you probably know by heart. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen and a man and a publican. Now, it doesn't say he's unto the church as a heathen and a publican. I mean, the point is, if you go through this process and there's no hearing, then the act of that will make him, un you, he will be as, I mean, if, even if he's a he or she's in the group, they still will be unto you as a dead man. I mean, it says, I mean, he, then, but in the continuing, then it'll provide the opportunity to tear down the walls. But this process is, it, I mean, there's so much of this in the group that it makes me sick that everybody thinks that somebody's done something against them or everybody has, knows that somebody has something against them. I mean, it's got to be dealt with. So that's the kind of stuff we're going to do this weekend. And the pine trees, the wind blowing in the pines. Uh, I think I am a smart ass. And it's been bothering me for a long time because I used to think I came in here to try and win some kind of smart ass contest. Because I, I just can't keep my mouth shut. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm just a smartass, and maybe that's just me, and I've got to cope with that, live with that, deal with that, <laughs> whatever. But, uh, why do you think that's bad? It must get on everybody's nerves. It's got to get on everybody's nerves. At least I'll I think tell you. I'll tell you. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Yeah, I've told you when it bothered me, haven't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I haven't. I don't know. You know, for a while there, I was like, <laughs> 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 I've been withholding from you. Uh, Have you? Yes, but I'm not going to withhold from you anymore. Oh, praise God. Drives me up a wall. <laughs> well, at least I know something now, though. At least I know I'm not doing it to do, to, to affect anything. And I'm not doing it so that you all will like me more. <laughs> I know that's not it. Right. And, uh, uh, or you do it for one reason, insecurity. Well, perhaps. But, uh... I mean, everybody perhaps. does it. Yeah, but I really get kicking. Well. So I, uh... Now, again, each of these things that we are tempted to judge ourselves on, it doesn't matter whether it's being a smart ass or being anything else, it's just, you know, we, all we have to do is remember that from, from the standpoint of, of the spirit that we are small children. And if, and if you, <coughs> in the Jewish world, a child isn't under the law until he reaches 13. And then he becomes a child of the law. <coughs> And Christ in you is just being Christ in you. You don't live. It's not you that live. And you're free to be whatever is there. And you're accepted in whatever way you are. That's what I've tried to tell you ever since I've known you. And you just, you can be anything you, just be you. And, and it doesn't matter. I mean, we don't have the right to judge each other with regard to where we where Christ is in us on that path of that arrow that's going to the target. I mean, we will, and, but the only, we will judge, but when we judge, if we speak it, then it's lost its power. 
I mean, I mean, Harry has disliked you ever since he met you, and he never told me that, but I could tell because he was withholding from you the fact that certain activities of you bothered him. So in effect, by his withholding, it was the evidence that he hated you. Not the fact that he says you're a smartass and it bothers him, that's the evidence that he loves you. But that doesn't mean that he, you have to change. It means that he has to say what's there just as you have to be what you are. And that's the lesson to each of us. And in that fire and in that thing that takes place when that freedom is manifested in us, then life comes forth. And, and, and you're free. Just be you. You don't have to be anything other than you are. That's been the big battle, hasn't it? Yeah. You've always thought you should be different than you are. There's something that's just really hit me, um, Matt, when you, when, you know, when you said, I think I'm a smartass. A couple weeks ago, you were talking about Rima, the, 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 the spoken word, what, what's going on. And you said, it's really neat being a preacher because I get to hear what it is I say. And I was, and I, what I was, I was going to say to Matt that, It's something I've, I've found has been going on in me, is that slowly but surely I'm starting to hear what comes out of my mouth. And I know that we're convicted by our own words. And I think this has to do with pouring out and being broken bread and, and poured out wine, that that by, by letting this stuff come out, you can hear it, and you can hear if it's worth shit. And you can hear if it's if it's if it's Christ in you. Well, it's all Christ in you. But it's Christ, yeah. sometimes it's Christ in you going to the bathroom. But you can hear belief. You can hear unbelief. It's the only way to find out what you believe and don't believe. Yeah. It's also the only way you'll ever become a part of anybody in the body. Amen. The reason I know that because of stuff between people that are not here really bothered me for a long time and embarrassed the holy shit out of me to admit, to admit and announce and only after I did only now after eight years you know it's only within the last year that I really have a relationship with them and I do have a relationship with them and not a strained one a good one I know that part of the reason that I've, I've, I've hated you has been the smart ass thing but it isn't because I think you're a smartass. It's because I'm a smartass. And um, and all I've done over the last 20 years or so has been to sort of try and disguise being a smartass rather than just doing what you do, which is just left, right, scattered. <laughs> which is just... But I mean, I used, to do, I used to do exactly the same thing 100% of the time. But then somewhere about 15 or 20 years ago, I started trying to be a little more quiet about it. But I'm still just as big a smartass as you are, if not more of a smartass. And that's what's been bugging me, has been seeing me. You know, the, the thing that all the other stuff is just incidental, and I'll say this forever, but every, everything else except internalizing know that you're totally accepted in the brethren without condition and externally knowing that in the process of time the end of the commandment is that you lay down your life and it's unfeigned love it's, it's love without sensory perception but if, if what we're about if, if what we're about is learning the meaning of Hebrew words or learning the mystical meaning of the tabernacle or all that other, you know, it's all great and well and good, but it, it, it's only a tool to bring us to the point where there's unfeigned love. You know, it's like when you were here before, the last time you were here, you know, you were ready to walk out and never come back again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and, and it, but, but the thing that I think broke, and, and I meant it with everything in me, is we went out on the porch and I said, I don't give a shit about us. All I know is I love you. 
and I'd do anything in the world for him. I wish I could say that to somebody with some conviction. I was thinking that today. But that's the process. That's the thing that happens. That's the end. I mean, it's not the thing that comes immediately. It's what's. It's what happens after it's been. It's the, the testing takes place. When you know you can say and risk anything. I've been on vacation. Oh, you've been, vacation. been on vacation in sloth. Hey. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the, the, the only thing that, <clears throat> the only way that people know that you're his disciple was by love one for another. It doesn't, <clears throat> it doesn't have anything to do with uh, how often you say his word, his, the, the right words to somebody or, I mean, yeah, or doctrines or mysteries or You know, it's only the only thing that the only thing that's evident, the only thing that's timeless, the only thing that doesn't change is love. And, and the reason it has to be a small group is because if, you do, you, if it isn't, you'll get by with acting. <laughs> 